It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. Be sure to leave the lights on while you listen. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Welcome to the Agonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 8 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 8, Aqua Supreme. gonna make it very far anyway, Ira. You know that beater they stole as a leaky gas tank. I'm betting they didn't even make it to the city. Ray, they killed Father Weber. They need to be punished. Adrian said he had a stroke. Ray, I was there. I watched Kat inject him with these. She killed him. Ray watched as Ira pulled out two empty syringes from his pocket. She frowned and waved her hand at him. Why did you keep them? Throw those things in the damn trash and move on with your life. He's gone. Now we can run this place how we were planning to before he had all his big ideas. We can actually build a working community. You just don't get it, sister. Well, I can tell you one thing right now. I'm not wasting no energy going after them. And I highly suggest you don't either. And why is that? Either they're already dead, or they come back here and we shoot them. So, problem solved. We should be the ones to carry out the punishment. They killed our father. He was your father. I never cared for the bastard. I'm not wasting my time. What about the others? (sighs) It's been kind of nice to have some help around here. I'm not saying we should let them leave the compound, but I'm okay with them staying here. For now. Everything's working okay. Shoot, even old crazy girl started helping out in the kitchen now. Fine. But if Kat and Jenny come back, I will be the one to carry out the punishment I see fit. While Kat had been inside the tub, She had centered herself and let the rest of the world fall away. The darkness quickly faded to light and she opened her eyes. Her visions were becoming more powerful and she actually felt herself step outside her present body. She felt the sun overhead, heard birds chirping and could even smell the freshly clipped grass nearby. Behind her, she heard a flirty laugh. She turned and saw a couple standing across the street at a bus stop. She recognized them as the couple she had been dreaming about for many months. The man stood next to the bus bench. A duffel bag, similar to the one Adrian carried around, sat at his feet. He was wearing a military uniform and matching cap. His smile was crooked, but ardent and genuine towards the woman sitting on the bench beside him. Cat's stomach did a belly flop, 
and she knew at that moment she was looking at her own parents. The realization struck her out of nowhere, and she now confirmed she had been witnessing events long preceding her own birth. She took a few steps closer to the couple and could see the man was taking the woman's picture with a black Polaroid camera. She posed playfully before pushing the camera out of her face. <laughs> There's my beautiful girl. Stop wasting all my film. You know I have to make it last. Oh, come on now, Yelena. Don't be like that. You know my deployment is almost over and I have to go back to the States. It's not fair. They should let you be with me when I give birth. What kind of government do you vote for? Believe me, I would absolutely stay here if I could. As soon as she's born, we'll get married and start the K-1 visa process. These things just take time. Do you want me to fly your mother over here to be with you? Yet, let her rest. I will be home soon enough after I finish my assignment. Kat watched as her father placed the camera down on the bench and wrapped her mother in his arms. She leaned her head into his shoulder. I love you, Yelena. A familiar pain burned inside of Kat's abdomen as her vision ended in an abrupt cut to darkness. The hunger she felt was so cogent, it consumed all her other thoughts and emotions. The creature bumped her again as it continued to swim laps around her body inside the tub. She began to rock from side to side, stirring up the water and irritating the creature. It nipped her aggressively on one knee, catching her flesh on one of its front snaggle teeth. Kat knew her window of opportunity was limited, so she extended her cross leg outwards in front of her. As it bit her knee, she pinned its body against the side of the tub. It began to thrash violently, splashing water from both sides. Its head careened far out of the water, hissing and striking at her. The creature moved more and more aggressively, and Kat flexed her leg muscles with all her strength, crushing its gills. The residual nerves in the creature's body allowed it to continue to twitch and vacillate for several more moments. Kat watched it with mild disinterest, her empathy meagre for all things within the aquarium, both human and otherwise. She wanted to consume the creature entirely, but decided that she needed to reverse the power play Fear, she considered, was an incredibly powerful motivator. When her captor returned to find her slumped over in the tub, she had given him a false sense of security. He groaned as he used all his available strength to hoist her limp body out of the water. As he did so, she could see him wince and pull to the opposite side of where she had nailed him with her foot the day before. She waited for him to notice the missing creature. Its corpse, slimy and coated with her saliva, swirled around in her mouth. To his surprise, he had yet again failed to completely chain her up on the rolling table. She slid the chains off loosely down her arms, wrapping one of them around her wrist. He screamed once, pathetically, as she whipped it across the side of his head, careful to only knock him out but not kill him. She leaned over his body on the floor and placed her ear directly over his open mouth. She heard his faint breathing and smiled. One down, one to go. Kat waited inside the room with the man's body, hopeful that the other captor would notice his absence and come looking for him. But he never did. She decided that the easiest way to find the other man was to make him come to her. 
The facility was expansive and perilous in its current state, and her best chance of finding Jenny was if the man simply handed her over. She checked his pockets and found a small pistol. She tucked it away for her own use before hefting the man over her shoulder. She made her way slowly and stealthily through the facility. She knew if she ran into the other captor, she would simply have to try to fight him herself. But still, he never appeared. Finally, she made it down to the bottom floor, close to where she and Jenny first found the water. The doors still weren't locked, and she kicked them open with her foot. The man groaned groggily over her shoulder, and she worried he was waking up. She had left the chains back up in the room and didn't have anything else to hit him with. In a quick motion, she rolled his body forward, dropping him headfirst onto the concrete. He went silent, and she again waited for a moment, watching his chest rise and fall in shallow breaths before picking him up again. Kat was starting to feel weak. Her legs wobbled, and the man felt so incredibly heavy once he was back over her shoulder, she had to stop and take several breaks before she even made it to the parking lot. Once she got outside, she noticed there weren't any cars. She turned and looked out at the aquarium's surrounding areas, smiling when her eyes landed on an auto body shop, not too far from where she stood. She threw a tarp over the unconscious man's body and quickly made her way to the next street towards the shop. Jenny watched as the man angrily threw the walkie at the wall, shattering it into several smaller pieces. He spat on the floor and snorted through his nose angrily. What a dumbass. Wait, how do you know Ira? He's hours away. Girl, he's the next town over. What do you mean hours? Jenny blinked, trying to remember exactly how long she and Kat drove to get away from the commune. She hadn't looked at the clock while they were driving, but she assumed a full tank of gas would have gotten them pretty far. So let me get this straight. You and Ira were working together and killing and abducting people. <laughs> this ain't a fucking TV show, girl. There isn't no diabolical plan. We had an arrangement that benefited both of us. It isn't until his stupid ass got greedy, just like I said. But you mentioned someone named Sam. When we first met Ira, he and his sister were looking for Sam. He might have been acting like he was looking, but he knew exactly where she was. In fact, he told us where she is going to be. It's pretty fun rigging that truck up to smash into their bus. Jenny's stomach dropped as she listened to the boastful kidnapper, not caring about giving away his secrets, because to him, they weren't secrets. Only to Ira. Now no more yammering. I'm fixing to go get something to eat. Then I gotta go feed the critters. You'll be down here another night at least. Jenny panicked thinking about being chained up in the dark, damp basement again. She was worried the entity would come back. Desperately, she attempted to stall him from turning out the light and leaving her alone. Wait, um, what, what critters do you mean? What are those things you are keeping? The man rubbed his beer gut and flicked a piece of lint out from his belly button. Oh, my critters? Yeah, my brother and I love those little guys. Gotta be careful, though. They'll get you if you ain't mindful. Call them snakeheads. Part fish, part snake, I guess. Why on earth would you take care of such... Why... Why, uh, I mean, what made you get into doing that? The man shrugged sheepishly and kicked at a small rock on the floor. Why does anyone do what they do anymore? His tone became severe and somewhat dejected. Before Jenny could respond, a deep roaring noise permeated through the thick walls of the building. The man jumped in surprise, and Jenny froze, 
praying that the entity had not returned. Another roar kicked up before Jenny realised the sound was the large vehicle outside. What the hell? The man ran to the stairs, his heavy boots clunking all the way up, and Jenny waited, still chained to the wall, wondering if he would tell her what was going on. He was gone for about ten minutes before he came running back down to the basement, sporting an irritated grimace. He hurriedly dug into his pocket and pulled out the handcuff key before unlocking Jenny's chains and roughly pulling her up by her arm off the floor. Before she could ask him what was happening, he was already pushing her upstairs, his hand tightly gripping her wrist. As soon as they were up the stairs, he took off in a sprint, practically dragging Jenny along behind him. She tried to keep up, but her robe dragged through the water-soaked halls. Keep up with me. Your stupid friend wouldn't kidnap my brother. Jenny sat quietly in the front seat of her captor's truck as he sped frantically towards a location left on a handwritten note he'd found stuck in the front door of the aquarium. She smiled, seeing the handwriting and confirmed it was Kat's. The truck rolled to a stop, and Jenny saw Kat standing in front of a large black truck. Several yards behind the truck was a gargantuan white cylindrical tank. Jenny squinted in her seat, and she saw the remnants of an old world sign hanging lopsided in front of the tank. Industrial liquid propane filling station. Kat stepped forward and motioned for the man to stop as she casually walked to the driver's side window. Where's my brother? He's alive, but you need to trade me, Jenny, if you want your brother back. I'll kill you. And you can, but you won't be able to find him. The man rubbed his chin and frowned, looking for any tell that Kat may be lying. Let me see Jenny and make sure she's okay, and then I'll tell you where your brother is. Before he could protest, Kat walked to Jenny's side of the truck and flung open the door. She held back tears as she hugged her. Jenny hugged her back as she felt a cold twinge of metal slide down her spine. As Kat hugged her, she discreetly tucked the barrel of a small pistol under Jenny's robe. Okay, that's enough. Tell me where my brother is now. I'll do you one better. Trade me vehicles. Hell no, you ain't shooting me in the back. Kat raised both hands up and turned around. You can check me. I'm unarmed, I swear. The man grudgingly patted her down and frowned. What's the point of all this nonsense? Just tell me where my damn brother is. The point is, you get out and walk to the other truck, and I take this one and leave. It'll give me and Jenny a head start in case you weren't planning on holding up your end of the bargain. And yes, before you even ask, it has gas in it and everything. I mean, even if it didn't, we're only like five miles away from the aquarium. The man considered her proposal, before slowly opening the door of the truck. He pushed her out of his way roughly, as he started walking over to the vehicle parked near the filling station. And don't think about trying no funny business. I am armed, and I will not hesitate to shoot. Where's my brother? Keep walking. I'll tell you when you get to the truck. Kat quickly climbed into the driver's seat, gave Jenny another hug before putting her hands on the wheel. Oh my god, Kat. I can't tell you how happy I am to see you. I thought we'd never get out of there alive. We'll always find a way. They both watched the man get further and further away as he walked towards the truck. He was yelling, most likely at Cat, but neither of them could hear anything he was saying with the door shut. Those guys are monsters. Why don't you just shoot him now? 
Jenny produced the gun that Kat had hidden behind her and placed it on her lap. She remembered the girl in the barrel and the man in the dog cage. I don't know where they kept you in that place, but there are still other people there, at least two other ones that I know of. I can't stop thinking about them. I know getting back to the commune is most important, but it's just so sad. Kat patted Jenny's hand softly before slowly putting the truck in gear. Reverse, Jenny noticed. The man turned around to look at her, having now made it to the other truck. He held his hands up, questioning the whereabouts of his brother. Kat pointed to the back seat of the extended cab, and the man hastily opened the door of the truck and found his brother lying unconscious. Kat could see him trying to rouse his brother. He shook him several times before he started to wake up. Is he dead? Why are we just sitting here? Let's go, Kat! He's going to come and take us back there. The man eventually climbed into the truck's front seat, after ensuring his brother was safe and alive. Jenny grabbed Kat's hand, silently urging her to hit the gas and leave quickly. Kat stared at the other truck through the windshield, holding the steering wheel tightly. Jenny jumped slightly in her seat, confused as to why the other truck was holding the horn. She looked over at Kat, confused. Kat bit her lip and picked up the gun from Jenny's lap and placed it in Jenny's hand. What's going on, Kat? When I tell you, I need you to lean out your window and shoot. What? I can't shoot. You already know that. Kat started the engine, but kept her foot on the brake pedal. She adjusted the rearview mirror and watched silently. Jenny turned around in the seat and gulped audibly. An enormous group of bashers appeared behind them, drawn to the continuous blare of the truck's horn. Jenny could hear the truck revving, but his vehicle remained still. The desperation became more apparent as the man attempted to rev the engine over and over, lasting longer each time he pushed the gas. The vehicle didn't budge. Jenny squeezed Kat's hand as she trembled. Bashers came streaming out into the open road now, ignoring the truck Kat and Jenny were in as they were drawn to the sound of the other vehicle's horn. Kat sat silent, continuously looking in the rearview mirror, waiting until there were no bashers behind them. So now what? The bashers will take care of those two, but why bring them all here in the first place? There's got to be almost 400 of them gathered up there around their truck. We're too close to home to have them this close by. Do you trust me? Jenny nodded. It's time, Jenny. Open your window, lean out, and shoot. Shoot where? There are bashers everywhere. What am I aiming for? You see that tank? The big white one? Yes, you need to shoot it. You can't miss. It's massive. Jenny looked at the behemoth white tank, standing high above the other truck, towering above the bashers, which are already starting to tear into the truck's side with the men inside. She nervously flipped off the safety switch, ratched the side, and pulled the trigger. As soon as the bullet left the chamber, Kat hit the gas, and the truck flew backwards. Jenny gasped in shock and grabbed the safety bar over her passenger side window. The explosion's roar was deafening, and Jenny covered her ears in a desperate attempt to block out the noise. 30,000 gallons of liquid propane instantly vaporized the men, their truck, and most of the bashers surrounding it. Jesus Christ. 
Cat continued using the rearview mirror, still driving backwards away from the explosion. But once the smoke plums had somewhat dispersed, they both witnessed the destruction left behind. The ground remained alight with several small fires, but the rest of the landscape was now barren, black, with only remnants of grisly soot and ash. I just did that. I mean, we just did that. We sure did. Kat, seriously, what the hell? You have to tell me everything. How did you escape? Wait, why are we back at the aquarium? Let's grab those people you saw and take them back with us to the commune. Oh my god, yes. Second rescue mission. Kat and Jenny drove the remaining distance back to the aquarium. Sitting in the parking lot, they stared at the front of the building. Dread washed over the both of them. They knew it was safer now that the brothers were dead, but their experience there had been traumatizing. All right, let's get in and get out as quick as possible. Agreed. Jenny led Kat to the workshop she had first been held in to find the man locked inside the crate. What the hell? You actually escaped and now you're back. Shut up, we're taking you with us. I told you before, I ain't leaving my cage. Do you want to die here? If I try to get out, they'll kill me anyway. Kat slowly placed her hand on top of his that was hanging outside the cage. He initially pulled back, but Kat smiled at him through the bars. You don't have to worry about those men anymore. Kat, see if you can get him out. I'm going to find the girl. What did you do to them? Are they dead? Kat nodded at him, encouraging his continued engagement. How long have you been here? The man sighed and brushed one hand over his shoulder. I don't know, since my hair has been about here. She shivered, thinking about how long he had been held in captivity. His dirty, neglected locks now hung low under his ribcage. Do you know where the keys are at? Even if I did, I ain't saying, no way, no how. Fine. Kat started to walk out of the room. Uh, where do you think you're going, ma'am? There are a few tools in the back of the pickup. If I can't find the key somewhere in this room, I'll see if I can bust you out with something from there. You women are all the same. You never listen. Ta-da! You can come out now. I can't. I'm... I'm too afraid. And I don't know you. What if you are worse than those two numbskulls? My name is Kat. What's yours? It's, uh, it's, it's Devon, miss. Well, now, Devon, we aren't strangers anymore. You don't have to be afraid of us. We aren't going to hurt you. But I'm, I'm scared. I've been here too long. This is all I remember. Kat slowly extended her hand out to the man. The cage was shorter than his actual height, causing him to slouch to one side. As he took a step outside the cage... Kat was surprised at how tall and slender he really was. He was extremely dirty, and his clothes were ragged, but she could see he had an endearing spirit. Oh, it feels strange to walk upright again. Kat and Devon both turned around as Jenny slowly pushed the rolling table into the room. Oh my god! Oh, I can't even look at her. Be nice. Jenny looked up and smiled at Kat, 
with hopeful eyes. Cat, I want to introduce you to Sam. Cat helped Jenny push the rolling table to the parking lot, watching the beautiful yet mutilated girl that lay on top of it. Devon squawked in disapproval and refused to help them. Although the girls more than likely assumed that he was too embarrassed to admit he barely had enough strength to get himself out to the truck, as his muscle tone was severely atrophied from the extended period of non-use. Nice and easy now. She's alive. Barely. Let's get her back to the commune. You can't do anything for her. You might as well just fit her with a wooden onesie now. Because she's on her way to a dirt nap. Cut it out. She can hear you after all. I'll sit in the back with Sam. Devin, go ahead and sit up front with Jenny. I wouldn't have it any other way, ma'am. Sam's eyes remained closed, and she breathed deeply. The truck eventually turned off the main road and up the narrow driveway towards the commune. Jenny blinked as she remembered her conversation with her captor in the basement. They had only really been in the next town over the whole time. Is it me, or did it feel like getting back was really quick? Wouldn't know. Never been here. I wonder why it felt like we were driving hours getting away from this place. Jenny pulled up to the gate and put the truck in park. Kat jumped out and swung the metal gate open, allowing the truck entry. She climbed back inside after reclosing the gate. Hmm. They fixed the gate. Wonder how long we were gone for. Is this where you reside? You've got to be kidding me. This is a business park. Don't you know regular folks live in houses? It's a long story. Lord, they are already testing me. Strange, no one is on lookout duty. Come on, help me get Sam inside. Shouldn't we make sure they aren't going to kill us first? We didn't exactly leave on good terms. You live with people who want to kill you? Oh, I knew you ladies were loony, but now you look downright suicidal. Once they see Sam, nothing else will matter. As if on cue, the door to the chow hall burst open. The end of Ray's shotgun barrel protruded through the open door before her body made its appearance. She was aiming right for Kat's forehead. You! Prepare to die. Out of the fire and into the flames! Real funny! God! Oh! Raylan, be still. <sighs> A deep, vexatious moan escaped Ray's parted lips at that moment her eyes laid on Sam. The shotgun was tossed to the ground as Ray's boots pounded the pavement in quick succession, running towards her. When she was close enough, Ray reached out and grabbed Sam from Kat and Jenny, holding on to her tightly as she sobbed vehemently. Sam? Sam? Oh, Sam, I thought I would never see you again. After several moments, her intense cries brought out curious onlookers, who joined in their own form of celebratory cries when they saw Kat and Jenny. Kat! Jenny! You came back! Are you okay? You look like really bad. Don't be rude. The point is, they made it. (laughs) Believe me, I feel as bad as I look. (laughs) How about you, Kat? Kat strained her neck, 
looking around for two noticeably missing people. Cat, are you listening to me? I want to see Adrian. I'm sure he's around here somewhere. He's in the sick bay. I want to see him. Jenny rolled her eyes, but didn't say anything. Who's this? This tall drink of water is Devon. Uh, hello there. I'm Ravi. This is Heather. Ta'atas om Buddha Leet. Well, dude, uh, tight your tinfoil hat and go elsewhere. Sedante nefe befera agus go marina nebe go deo. Sorry about that. I really have been on their way too long. Cat, help me get Sam inside. Sure. The two women allowed Sam to lean against them, holding on to each of their shoulders as she hopped towards the sick bay. No, not in there. Ray cast a worried look towards the sick bay. Instead, she steered them in the opposite direction. Bring her in here to the sleeping hall. Cat, Ray, Jenny, Ravi, Heather, and newcomer Devon joined together in the women's sleeping room. The reunion was joyous and somewhat hopeful. Cat and Ray eased Sam down on a mound of pillows, elevating her remaining leg. At the same time, Ravi brought her a blanket to cover up with. Her breathing was laboured, her porcelain skin a pale, ghostly white. Despite her mutilations, Sam was absolutely stunning. Her underlying beauty was apparent. Her presence reflected calm existentialism. Everyone quieted down as Sam got herself comfortable. A painful smile stretched across her thin face. Thank you so much. She reached for Ray's hand, intertwining their fingers affectionately. I never thought I would see home again. I'll never forgive myself for not finding you sooner. I should have never left your side that day. No bad thoughts, Ray. Everything that's happened did so for a reason. I'm not scared anymore. I'm home. Ray brushed a soft kiss across Sam's cheek as Adrian entered the room. His eyes widened in surprise when he saw everyone gathered around Sam, and he immediately made his presence known. Oh my god! Cat, Jenny, you're okay? And new people? He noticed the presence of Sam's missing appendage, and his professional tone took over. Hello there. My name is Adrian. Can I take a look? He gingerly lifted up the blanket, but Ray swatted his hand away. You leave her alone! She's been through enough! Let her relax for a little while before you start with the poking and the prodding. Yeah, I can tell. I'm trying to help. It's okay. You can look. I know I don't have much time left. Don't say that! Adrian's face creased with worry, but the others noticed he clearly agreed with Sam's dreary prediction. You have to tell us what happened! You've been through a lot. Through hell and back. Let's get them a change of clothes, some food, water, and rest. And then they might be up for talking about it. Just tell me one thing. Was it them? The Foster brothers? Sam nodded subtly, and Ray held her hand to her chest. All that matters is we're together again. Jenny and Devon wanted to eat first, so they went with Ravi and Heather to the chow hall. Sam wanted to rest, as she was already exhausted from the little energy she used getting back to the commune, so Ray laid next to her while she slept. Kat wanted to change her clothes and wash herself, so she started to walk towards the shower room. Hey, Adrian. Yeah? Come, keep me company. 
He nodded and caught up with her next to the door. They started walking together towards the shower room, and Kat remembered the first night they had met. What happened after we left? I was afraid this place would be burnt to the ground. No, it's very strange. Ira just shut down completely. He didn't even say anything about it. He'd just been sulking in his room most days. Ray, I mean, she was really pissed you guys stole a car, but to be honest, I think she was relieved you left. I still can't believe you found Sam and brought her back here. What are the chances you would have found her? And alive, too. Well, it was the right thing to do. And we knew she was our bargaining chip to get back inside the commune alive. Without her, I don't think Ray would have dropped her gun. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Adrian respectfully waited outside of the shower room while Kat washed and dressed in clean clothes. She expected him to be gone when she got done, but he was there when she stepped outside. His back leaned against the wall as he stared at the ground. Hey, you. Kat saw a glimmer of a smile cross his lips, but it faded as quickly as it appeared. I, uh, I, I wanted to make sure you were okay. Any injuries? Some, but nothing serious. Sam needs medical attention more than me. Ray won't let me near her. I tried again when you were taking a shower, but she shut the door in my face. I think she just doesn't want to hear the truth. Kat nodded in agreement and placed her hand over her midsection. They both stopped when the audible rumbling came out of nowhere. Hungry? I guess I didn't realize until now. Adrian opened the door to the chow hall, where everyone was gathered around the table eating and chatting. He motioned Kat forward with a polite bow. After you? Kat, there you are! Jenny was in here telling a long, exaggerated story about your escape. I did not exaggerate. It was so awesome. Right, Kat? Jenny slid a peanut butter sandwich across the table in front of Kat. Kat stared at it and wanted to push it away but remained still. The seedy, partially frozen bread looked so unappetizing, and the peanut butter smelled rancid. She desperately wanted some meat. Are you okay? Kat took a bite of the sandwich and held in a gag. Yeah, I'm fine. We should give them both a break, guys. No, Adrian! We have to let them tell us what happened to them! According to Jenny, there were evil creatures, a torture house, an explosion, and a water demon, or something. We have to hear every detail. Water demon? Oh god, Kat, yes. I haven't even got a chance to tell you about it yet. When I was chained up in the basement, this thing tried to strangle me. But I swear it was made entirely of water. She kept saying I called for her, whatever that means. Kat's stomach lurched, sending her stomach contents cascading onto the floor. The group jumped up in surprise and disgust. Well, I've lost my appetite. Dad. Cat, are you alright? Do you remember this tattoo? God, I'm still so embarrassed about it. It'll always be my favorite one. <laughs> Ray smiled and stroked Sam's long hair. Knock, knock. Hello, Sam. Looking gorgeous as ever. Sam ignored him and reached for Ray's hand. What do you want, Ira? Just a moment of your time, sister. Privately. I'll be right back. Just relax. I 
I've been meaning to discuss a few things with you. Well, out with it already. It's time. The traitors have returned. And now they are due for punishment. Ray sighed and pulled out a cigarette. She took several long drags before she acknowledged Ira. You're really not going to let this go, are you? I... I don't follow. I don't like Kat. I think she's an annoying know-it-all and everyone follows her around like she's some sort of saint. But the fact of the matter is... She brought Sam home. I can't give the go-ahead for you to kill her after she did that. I see. Next time she screws up, sure, kill her. But she did us a favor. Raylan! Stop acting like you don't know it had to be done! Your daddy was a sick man. He raised you after your whore mother ran off on us. He's just as much your father as he is mine. A father doesn't do what he did to me. As far as I'm concerned, this conversation is over. And if you do something to that girl, and the rest of them side against you, you're on your own. Starring Journey Brown St. Hell as Kat, Andrew Quintero as Adrian, Emily Husband as Jenny, Chi Dumemian Juku Brown as Ravi, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers as Heather, Esther Payne as the narrator, and Gina Pietromonaco as Ray. This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas as the pre episode announcer, Julian Kingston as Raelio, Nika Shakmordova as Elena, Sandy Jack as Devin, Joe Quickle as Ed Foster. Christopher Power as Ira, and me, Ashley Couture, as Sam. Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound design by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Original music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Konstantin Nestyarvik. If you love the show and want to help support us, check us out online to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. We are also now on Patreon, so feel free to head over to our page and check out our rewards. Signing up for Patreon will give you access to additional content, including bonus episodes and other great features. See you next month! If you produce audio dramas, it obviously isn't to become rich and famous. You love the medium, and you want to share your passion for theater of the mind. The Mutual Audio Drama Network is looking for you. Mutual presents audio dramas every day of the week, each with its own genre. Mystery, sci-fi, comedy, horror, all reaches of the imagination. It doesn't matter if you produced your shows years ago or are still cranking them out. Share them on the world's largest collection of modern audio drama and audio fiction. Give a listen at MutualAudioNetwork.com. And if you'd like to be a part of the excitement, with free access to all sorts of voices, sound effects, music, and more, just drop a line to mutualaudio at gmail.com. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Why not join us today?